You're listening to Friendlier, the podcast for friends who love to talk, read, and eat. I'm Sarah. And I'm Abby. Today we're going to talk about work, but first, let's catch up on life lately. What is new with you, Sarah? I am loving listening to romance novels. Before this year, I was not a huge audiobook person. I would listen to maybe a handful every year. Hmm. This year, they are a big part of my reading life, and I am loving it, specifically the romance novels. And I think that's because romance novels follow such a well-known formula that -hmm. there isn't a lot of mystery as you're going through. And I feel like I don't have to pay quite as close attention to still really enjoy it. And one thing I find challenging with audiobooks is I don't ever want to miss anything and feel like I have to rewind. So if it's something more complicated or more serious, I find it frustrating to listen to it. But romance Mm -hmm. is just that perfect, I'm getting the enjoyment, some of the work is being taken out for me. And I'm loving them. So good. What is new with you? I have a little rant to share about sidewalk chalk. (laughs) Here for it. We had sidewalk chalk for a long time on our front porch so that we could do it on the sidewalk that's in front of our house. Mm -hmm. But Pepper, every time I would open the front door, would try and run out the door and get the sidewalk chalk. And I was like, okay, fine. Let's bring it on the back porch. It's cement. I can hose it off. When we're done, it'll be great. And in some sense, it was great. It really occupied him for like the first 20 minutes we had it out there. Mm -hmm. But then it all went downhill. He put it in the water table, Mm -hmm. which turned it from sidewalk chalk to basically paint Mm -hmm. that now I cannot get off without scrubbing. Mm. So I do not even know what happened. I don't know if it's something about this particular kind of chalk, but... Every time the children go out there, they come in with pink feet because there's still sidewalk chalk slash paint (laughs) all over. And I hate it. And I regret all my choices. It's a covered patio then. So the rain can't just wash it away. Mm, Yes. I see the problem. (laughs) Never again. Never again. Now let's talk about what we've been reading. What's your latest read, Sarah? I finished The Antidote to Everything by Kimmerie Martin. This is a novel about Georgia Brown, who is a urologist in Charleston, South Carolina. She works for a hospital that has decided to stop offering care to LGBTQ folks, specifically focusing on transgender patients. Her best friend, who also works at the clinic, is a gay man, and he is fired over his refusal to stop seeing patients. And the rest of the story unfolds from there. I really liked Georgia as a character and her best friend, Jonah. They were both incredibly likable and complicated characters, and I always appreciate that in a book. Mm -hmm. I also loved how much it made me think about these topics in healthcare and how much control private entities can have in what kind of care they offer and who they will or will not treat. Mm -hmm. In terms of what I didn't like, it felt like the novel was trying to do a little bit too much. There were a lot of different threads happening at the same time, each one of which felt like it could have been its own novel. Mm. But since they were all put together in this one, you never felt like you got the whole story of any one piece. Hmm. As far as recommendations, it's not one that I'm going to be raving about and putting in the hands of everybody that I know, but I did enjoy the experience. So I would give it a neutral recommendation. (laughs) If it sounds intriguing to you, give it a go, but I will not insist. (laughs) What have you been reading? I recently read A Wicked Kind of Husband by Mia Vinci. 
this is a historical romance featuring what I'm realizing is one of my favorite tropes, the marriage of convenience, fake relationship. Mm -hmm. So Cassandra and Joshua have been married for two years, but have met each other exactly once on their wedding day. She goes to London, where he is, to handle some things for her family, and their relationship develops from there. This was everything I want in a romance. Good characters, spicy sex scenes, and a satisfying ending. I 100% recommend it. I loved it. I've since bought it for my mom, recommended it to my book club, <laughs> downloaded the other two books in the series. Do want to offer some content warnings, suicide and miscarriage. Kind of intense for a romance novel. Mm -hmm. But for me, those things were worth reading to get to the happily ever after. Now let's move on to our main segment for the day, work. This was something that was suggested by several friendlier listeners on our recent Instagram call for topics. So thank you to everybody who wanted to hear more about work and careers from us. For today's purposes, we're going to talk about work that's not parenting or house managing, even though we acknowledge that those kinds of things are totally work, often the invisible, unrecognized sort. Yep. Let's start with a brief work history. I did a lot of babysitting as a kid, which I didn't love, but is one of the only ways to make money when you are too young to be officially employed. Mm -hmm. My first W-2 job was at McDonald's, the age of 15. Throughout high school and during summer breaks, I also held a job at the Missouri Agricultural Statistics Service, where I would call farmers to have them complete surveys for the Department of Agriculture. Hmm. Then after college, I worked in retail and waited tables. And then after grad school, I also worked in a bookstore and waited tables. I'm really glad I had all those different experiences of work. It does make me think about retail and eating at a restaurant differently. And I think mm -hmm. it is beneficial for every human that goes into a store or eats out to have empathy for the people who are working those jobs and an understanding of what really goes into it. Mm -hmm. I will also say I really enjoyed waiting tables. <laughs> that was one of those jobs where the time just went by really quickly, and it's quite good money in the hourly sense. What were your first job experiences like? My first job was definitely babysitting. I've been babysitting and nannying, taking care of kids in various capacities since I was probably 11 or 12. One year, I did work at The Gap, mm. which was my retail experience, giving me that perspective that is really helpful mm -hmm. as a person who shops. I've also been a summer camp counselor and then worked one summer in a research lab. What about your current work? Right now, I am a materials handler at the public library, which includes shelving books, running books through the sorter, and pulling holds for patrons. When I started working there last September, I was working 15 hours a week, but over this past summer, I started working 18 hours a week. So I actually have several current jobs. My main one is that I'm a correspondent for The Scientist. I write blog posts for a pregnancy blog and teach an online science communication course for science grad students and postdocs through Vanderbilt. For the writing, how it works is I get offered an assignment by my editor. I usually take it unless I have a clear conflict of interest. Like I know the person who wrote the paper or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's usually a study that has just come out or is coming out in the next week or so. So then I email the author or authors of the study and also people who work in the field but weren't involved and might be able to comment on it. I do between three and six phone interviews of those people, transcribe them or use a transcription service, and then I write the story. 
usually the night before or the morning that it's due, as is my (laughs) custom. Then my editor and I go back and forth a few times, and once I get the green light from her, I upload it to the content management system of the publication and set it to go live at the right time. With the blogging, I write based on suggested topics that I get to choose. I usually write those the night before they're due. That doesn't require any interviewing or anything. A lot of times I'm writing from memory or I'm reading one journal article and kind of summarizing it. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like the phoning it in part of my job. (laughs) (laughs) And with the teaching, I created an eight-part workshop to help scientists get better at communicating technical info to all kinds of audiences that's based on other workshops that I've done in the past. So we focus on both spoken and written communication. There's not any grading in this course because it's just a professional development course. It's not for credit. But I do give feedback on assignments and collect feedback from other students to share with the class. Mm -hmm. How did you get the job that you have? I originally applied in early 2019. And I had been on the email list for the public library whenever jobs came up for a few years now, because I've had in my head that I would enjoy working at the library. Mm -hmm. With E starting to go into preschool more full time, it felt like the right time. I applied and did not get the job, which turned out to be good because I was diagnosed with breast cancer less than a month later. Mm. And I'm glad I was not also trying to balance starting a new job or feeling like I needed to leave right after having been accepted. Yeah. I applied again in the summer and did get the job and started in September of 2019. So it's been just about a year since I've been working there. I had not put that timing together. And that Mm -hmm. seems really fortunate how that all worked out. How did you get your jobs? I was an intern for The Scientist in 2013, sort of bleeding into 2014. And when I left my postdoc at Duke, I emailed my editor to let her know that I wanted to do some freelance writing. And so I sort of wrote on and off for them for about a year. Mm -hmm. And then another editor took over and offered me a job as a correspondent so that I would get a guaranteed number of stories a month, which was nice for me as a freelance writer to have some guaranteed work and income. Mm Mm-hmm. The blogging I got because I applied after seeing it on the National Association of Science Writers jobs list, which is an email list that anyone can post a job on. And the teaching I got because I went to Vanderbilt. That's where I got my PhD. And I know the professional development folks. And Mm -hmm. they needed someone who wanted to teach virtually this semester. And because I have done workshops for them in the past, they thought of me just lucky there. Yeah. What do you like about your job? I love how methodical it is. I find it very relaxing to go to work. I really appreciate jobs where you can see what you have accomplished in this very (laughs) concrete way. Yeah. This cart of books needed to be shelved. This cart of books is now shelved. (laughs) I also love that it is solitary and I can think my own thoughts while I'm there. There is some level of interaction with the public in non-COVID times, more so than at the moment. Uh But in general, there is less of that public-facing element that I had done a lot of in the past with waiting tables and retail, where there's some great parts of interacting with people, but there are also some very challenging parts. And this job feels like a really nice contrast to my life with young children, where Mm. (laughs) there is less time for quiet contemplation of things. I also really love seeing all of the books and just being with the books and learning more about how the library is organized and what it offers. 
And the last piece I'll mention about what I love is the flexibility. It has been really nice, especially since the pandemic, but even before that, going between breaks and school and kids staying home from school, because we aren't manning a desk, it's very easy to switch around schedules Mm. and make it work for my life. And I've been so appreciative of my supervisor being willing to work with me and making it easy for this job to fit into our lives. That's one of my favorite things about my current jobs is how flexible they are. Mm -hmm. I'm just so thankful that I can make decent money and feel appreciated and intellectually stimulated doing work that has allowed me to be home with my kids when they're really little. Mm -hmm. Such a gift to have this flexibility right now. And also obviously comes with a huge amount of privilege. You know, I do not work full time. And so this wouldn't work for me if I was a single parent or if I had a spouse who was not working full time and had health insurance and the income that he does. Mm -hmm. But my favorite part content wise of the jobs is talking to people, talking to the scientists I'm interviewing, interacting with my students. When I first started as a science writer, I did really long interviews because I was writing full time and that was super lonely and isolating for me. Mm -hmm. I was so excited to talk to people that I would do 45 minute long interviews when 10 minutes would have been sufficient. (laughs) (laughs) Live and learn. Yeah. (laughs) Scientists love to talk about their work. So sometimes it's even hard to get them off the phone. And so I'd end up with so much transcribing to do. Mm -hmm. It's really inefficient. I've gotten better at that, but I still really enjoy those conversations. And then you get to enjoy them again as you transcribe them. (laughs) Yes. Though to be fair, the transcription software has made a huge difference in that part of my job. I am glad you have that now. Yes. What do you not like about your job? There really isn't much that I could think of to put here. I really love it. I do wish that I could have a few more hours a week and then qualify for sick leave and paid time off at the Mm -hmm. library. Right now, this position is just under the cutoff for that. Otherwise, I really enjoy the work. I enjoy the people. I love being at the library. What do you not like about your current job situation? Some days it feels really futile, like no one's going to read what I've written. And even if they do, it's not going to move the needle to make the world better in a meaningful way. And while I think I'm okay at writing, I'm not lit up by it or super motivated to push myself to achieve more. Mm. For instance, I'm in some science writer groups and people are always talking about the next thing they're going to pitch or the book they're going to write or they're so excited about this and this and this and just really rarely feel like that about my work. Mm -hmm. And then the final thing, which I've already touched on, is the isolation. It's solitary work and I don't think that it's the best fit for extroverts. Makes sense. Is this a job you saw yourself having when you were in school? It is not. Though, to be fair, as far back as I can remember, thinking about my future was a big blank once I got (laughs) done with school. I remember thinking this in junior high and high school as you're starting to think about what you want to major in and where you want to go to school and just knowing what I enjoyed learning about and knowing what I was successful at in school but not seeing how that could translate into a meaningful, enjoyable career. Mm. When I finished college, I took some time off and waited tables. And then I went to grad school and got my degree in public policy. And I did that thinking that I would work for a nonprofit domestically or work for an international NGO. I spent six months of grad school doing research and living and working in West Africa, working for a local NGO there. 
which really made me be honest with myself about whether that was a career path I wanted to pursue. Mm. I love traveling and learning a new culture and language, but I did not love report writing and grant writing, Yep, which is what I was doing. Looking back now, I also have a lot of feelings about what I did and white saviorism and the role of white people traveling to other countries to quote unquote help, Mm. which is a whole nother topic. But that experience did bring clarity to what I didn't want to do, which is the thing I went to grad school for. So I left (laughs) grad school feeling very unmoored. Looking back Now, I would do things so differently. I would get a different degree. I would pursue a different path. I might have chosen to have kids later and become more established in a career. Mm -hmm. But at the time, I didn't know what I wanted to do. It's easier to see in retrospect, but how was 18-year-old Sarah supposed to know all of this and make all those choices? So now I feel like life is long and figuring out what direction I want to go in my 30s isn't so bad in the scheme of things. (laughs) Totally. Are you doing what you thought you'd be doing at this point? No is the short answer. Mm -hmm. The long answer is that I started college thinking I was going to apply to MD-PhD programs, Mm -hmm. but scrapped that plan about halfway through college when I realized I didn't want to work that hard. Good to be honest with yourself. Then I went to grad school because when you get good grades in college, your professors think you would do a good job in grad school. Mm Mm-hmm. And at that point, I really thought I wanted to be a biology professor at a small liberal arts college, and I knew I needed a PhD to do that. So that made a whole lot of sense. Mm -hmm. In graduate school, I did a lot of teaching. I joined a department that had a lot of teaching requirements. I did a future faculty type preparation program. And then I had this semester with this really challenging student who just pushed me on everything. And this person went over my head because they didn't like the grade that they got on something. Mm. And I got backed up by my teaching supervisor. But it was so much time and so much emotional energy for this one student that I really kind of lost the enjoyment of teaching Mm. in that semester. And also realized in talking to my uncle, who is a professor at a small liberal arts college, that actually the students you tend to remember are the challenging ones. Yikes. I wanted to switch gears at that point, but I didn't know which direction to go. I was four-ish years to grad school and not into my previous career path. So then I thought, I love talking about science and I'm a decent writer. Maybe that's a job that I could do. I audited a course at Vanderbilt about science writing. I did two journalism internships. I did a non-traditional postdoc at Duke, which is where I combined my teaching and science communication. Mm -hmm. There is where I started giving workshops and teaching courses for scientists to learn to talk about their research. And that was really fulfilling for me. And for a while, I thought I wanted to do that full time, but I'm still not. I've been giving workshops and teaching off and on alongside the writing, and I like all of it, but I don't really know what the future holds. I don't think I found the thing that is my career yet. Yeah. So along those lines, Sarah, do you see yourself working your current job long term? Not long term, but it has been such a nice way to re-enter the workforce after being out for so long. I hope to stay at the library. I really enjoy working in a public library, and I've been contemplating going back to library school and thinking about what aspects of being a librarian would be most fulfilling and enjoyable for me. Mm. I actually recently had an opportunity to apply for a full-time position last month and started the application process, but 
The reality of online school for our kids and the uncertainty of the pandemic made it feel like too much. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of feelings about that too, about being the person who's turning down an opportunity at the point where I was hoping to be taking on more on the career front. But I do feel confident that I made the right choice for our family's overall happiness and stress level, including my own. Mm -hmm. There's always these trade-offs. If I had gotten that job, I could do it and we could make it work, but that doesn't come without taking away from some other aspect of our life. And is mm -hmm. that something we're willing to do? Yeah. So still feeling fairly unclear about the exact direction, but am happy to be working at an institution that feels like a place I could be for a long time. This thing that you're talking about, about these choices and seeing these options, always makes me think of that Cheryl Strayed essay, that Dear Sugar essay about the ghost ship that didn't carry you. Mm. And we'll link to that in the show notes, but it's about having kids or not having kids, but I feel like it works really great for any big choice in your life. And it's just a really nice way of embodying and holding those two possibilities, even though you have to make one choice over the other. All right, general question. How do you feel about how work is fitting into the bigger picture of your life? One thing I've been surprised about is how much I'm enjoying working outside of the home. It's not something that I felt was lacking or missing from my life previously, but I really enjoy getting a paycheck going to work, and being there interacting with my coworkers. I find it all incredibly satisfying. When I think about it fitting into the bigger picture of my life, I start thinking about a lot more existential questions, mm. like, am I living up to my full potential? Do I need to be living up to my full potential? If this isn't a career, what does that mean that I like it as much as I do to be doing this entry-level work? And I have often found myself feeling the need to qualify what I do when I tell people, oh, I just shelf books at the library. Mm. Almost like I need to diminish that. I've been trying to stop doing that. If I enjoy the work, it shouldn't matter if I need a graduate degree to do it or not, because it's working for me and it's working for our family. Overall, I am glad I'm working, but I do not see it as a defining characteristic of me and who I am, that there mm -hmm. is Sarah and I happen to be working at this job where in our culture, it feels like those can get enmeshed really quickly. Mm -hmm. I totally agree with that. And that's something where when people ask what I do and I say that I'm a science writer, mm -hmm. they're ooh so interesting, so exciting. And I actually don't find my job that interesting or exciting. As I said, I think I'm pretty good at it. I feel appreciated there. But in terms of lighting a fire or whatever, there's not much of that happening. Hmm. And so it's so interesting how other people's perspectives on it can change how you see it in the bigger picture of your life. Mm -hmm. So it's like you have this job that you really love, but that doesn't sound that impressive. Right. And I have this job that sounds pretty impressive, mm -hmm. but... Isn't bringing you a lot of joy? No, not much joy, I wouldn't say. I definitely wish I could work less, but I do like getting the income and I like the connections to the outside world that I get from working. Mm -hmm. I do love that you said that this piece of your work is not all of who you are. Mm -hmm. And I wish we had more space for that, especially being in Birmingham and meeting new people. So much of those early conversations is about what you do. Yes. 
and not who you are. And I do think there is some intensity to early conversations when meeting someone being, tell me all your deepest wishes and dreams and fears so we can figure out if we're on the same page or not. If we're compatible friends. Yeah. Speed friend dating. Exactly. Me talking about the work that I'm doing right now feels like so small of a part of who I am Mm -hmm. that it's almost not worth doing it. And it's interesting how that changes based on the group of people that you're with. Yes. Reading the room of how should I be presenting this? Because I think in some circles, I'm more likely to diminish the work that I do than others. Mm -hmm. Like, I want to acknowledge to you that I understand that I don't have a real job, even though I don't feel that way. Right. Or elevating other things to fit in with whatever that cultural norm is that feels Mm -hmm. like it's ever shifting. Work in ourselves is a very complicated thing in our culture. It is. So here's something else that's complex. How have you and your spouse balanced your work lives? Because I had no idea what I wanted to do after grad school, where Neil had a much clearer idea, we prioritized him finding a job first because it didn't really make sense to move us across the country for a job that I may or may not like since I wasn't sure. Mm -hmm. And I think that was the right call at the time with the information that we had. Everything looks different in hindsight, of course. (laughs) We've been having lots of conversations now about how we can even out that imbalance. The kids are getting older, they're going into school more, but it feels almost impossible to do. I don't have any regrets about staying home with our kids. I really enjoyed that time. I felt like it suited my personality and worked for our family. But now Neil has a decade of career experience and I'm just starting back. And it feels like, well, when is it ever going to be my turn? Because I don't really want both of us working 40-hour-a-week jobs. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing that it came down to with the opportunity that I was thinking about applying for at the library is, do I really want to be working full-time right now or do I want to do this job at 25 hours a week? Mm -hmm. And when I was honest with myself, I don't have a huge desire to be working 40 hours a week, to have Neil working 40 hours a week, and to feel like we're scrambling. Because as we have said, my career up to this point hasn't felt like this huge defining characteristic of who I am. It feels especially hard right now with Neil's department being short-staffed, so he's working more than usual and has even less flexibility than usual, which feels like I need to pick up the slack at home and and put even more into these traditional gender roles. Mm -hmm. Because our society is structured, so most jobs are full-time, just stepping back feels really hard to do. It feels like all or nothing, Mm -hmm. that Neil can't just work 20 hours a week as an engineer, even if that is his ideal also. So ideally, we'd both work 25 hours a week, but I'm not sure how to find jobs that we both enjoy with health insurance with those kind of hours. Yeah, it really doesn't feel like that's an option. It feels like society and capitalism is not built like that. Yes. That that's just not a choice that we can make, even though it would be better for families. Absolutely. It would be better to have health insurance not tied to employment. Yes. It would be better for everybody's health, for everybody's mental health, to not have to work 40 plus hours a week. I mean, Andrew is in the exact same position as Neil in that he has been very sure what he wanted to do. His job is in-person and tied to a place. Mm -hmm. It's not flexible like mine. And so my choices have felt like less. Right. And I feel really frustrated with that. 
And I think some of that is frustration with myself that I didn't have clarity yep. at age 22 to know that graduate school maybe wasn't going to be the best choice. I had to come to that over graduate school and understand mm-hmm. that teaching at a small liberal arts college was still going to feel like too much of career supplanting who I am. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like we ask people, really young people, to make decisions that affect the rest of their lives without very much good guidance. Yes. And without good models and without good systems in place to support alternatives. Why is it even an alternative? (laughs) Right. To want to work not 40 plus hours a week. Exactly. And in other countries, I think they do better at this. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we are in... As y'all are, this very traditional, the male partner works a lot, brings home the bulk of the paycheck, has the job that provides the insurance, and the female partner is home, and I work 10 to 15 hours a week. But then I do the bulk of child caring and house management, which is a lot. It is. I don't love where we are with that, but I am thankful that I have a spouse who is glad to have these conversations. And to be thinking about it with me. Mm -hmm. And in that sense, I'm not stuck. I feel that too, that Neil has been incredibly supportive as I'm thinking through what I want to do and has never made me feel that it's my responsibility to be at home Mm -hmm. as opposed to at work. Regardless, the cycle feels hard to break. Mm -hmm. That if you want flexibility in your life, there aren't a lot of options. Yeah. We'll end there with our career and work talk for today. But listeners, we would love to hear how this is looking in your lives. No matter what your family structure looks like, how is work fitting in? Let's talk now about what we've been eating. I am obsessed with making homemade pesto with basil that we grew in our garden. Mm. We have basically a basil forest out there. (laughs) The basil plants did the best out of everything. I am totally into it. I bought a food processor because I was making basil with my hand blender, which Mm. wasn't working super well. Mm -mm. I also tried it with the Vitamix, but then it was more like a paste. Uh So I have the food processor. The last batch that I made was with the food processor. It was amazing. I am going to make a bunch and freeze it so that we Mm -hmm. can have that fresh taste of summer through the winter. Mm -hmm. And I love it. I know one thing my mom did was putting it in an ice cube tray. So then you would have individual ice cubes of it and then putting that in a bag. So once you heat up pasta, you could just add that to it and stir it up once it's cooked. And then you have the perfect sized portion frozen. Genius. And then you don't even have to worry about thawing it. Exactly. I love that plan. What have you been eating, Sarah? We are in Neil's dairy-free time of the year. Oh, yes. Neil has very bad seasonal allergies. Mm. So from about mid-August to early October, he avoids dairy. He's found that to be the best way for him to limit his symptoms. I love dairy. So this Mm -hmm. is a very sad time of year for me as an individual. (laughs) I still munch on it for snacks a lot. Today, I've already had cheese and crackers and French onion dip and chips. (laughs) But try to avoid it in the meals we're eating together as a family. One of my favorites has been roasted vegetables with quinoa. So cook the quinoa separate, 
with vegetable broth and a little bit of soy sauce, and then roast potatoes, sweet potatoes, carrots, sometimes butternut squash, though we haven't done that this year, and onions. So a real root vegetable medley. Mm. And if I'm feeling like putting in that extra level of work, I will also cook up some sausages or brats and then slice that into it so it feels even heartier. Mm. The kids don't love this as much as we do, but can't cater to everyone. I recently made a similar thing that was potatoes, onions, bell peppers, and then smoked Mm. sausage just cut up because it's already Mm -hmm. cooked. And then I just put it all on one sheet pan and it was awesome. Love it. That's all for this episode of Friendlier. It's been great talking with you, Abby, and with all of you listeners. You can find more details about everything we talked about today, including what we're reading and eating, on our website, friendlierpodcast.com. You can also leave us a comment there or on Instagram at friendlierpodcast, or you can email us, friendlierpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, may your books be engaging, your food delicious, and your conversations friendly. I already said the stuff in this one, so. Perfect, and I didn't even answer this one, so. We'll keep going. (laughs) Cut as needed. Duncan. Duncan. Hey. Will you stop meowing, please? I'm lost. I started talking about something I put at the end, so. (laughs) Um, You want to start over? I'm lost in the outline.